Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a fresh and insightful interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. And if you're enjoying the director's cut, please take a moment to like, share, or comment. We love hearing your feedback. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Simon Curtis's new film, Goodbye, Christopher Robin. The film offers a glimpse into the relationship between children's author A.A. Milne and his son, Christopher Robin, whose toys inspired the Winnie the Pooh stories. As the books become an international success in England after the First World War, Milne's family grapples with the cost of fame. In addition to Goodbye, Christopher Robin, Mr. Curtis's directorial credits include the feature films My Week with Marilyn and Woman in Gold, as well as episodes of the television series Tracy Takes On, The Practice, and The Black Box. Following a recent screening of the film, Mr. Curtis spoke with director Bob Balaban about filming Goodbye, Christopher Robin. During the conversation, Mr. Curtis discusses the casting process for finding Christopher Robin, why he likes to shoot with two cameras on set, and how he came to direct the film. Well, I love this movie, Simon. Thank you, Bob. That means a lot I'm to me. I'm really glad you made it because I've heard of, obviously, I know Winnie the Pooh. I'm not quite as familiar with it as you probably were, but I had no idea of this story. When did you find out about it? Well, first of all, I think a lot of people in America assume everyone in Britain knows this story, but they don't. Um, and uh, unlike my previous two films that I sort of pushed into existence, uh, on a passion of mine. This is a script that came to me. And Frank Cottrell Boyce, the writer, is a, a writer I've long admired. And um, I just love the fact that it was about the creation of this famous book, but also about so much else as well. Were you surprised when you read the script? Yes, I was. Yes, I very much so. Wow. How difficult was it to get this movie made? Um, well, we were lucky because Fox Searchlight believed in it um so uh, you know as a lot of people here know it's about the, the real the people who make the decision about films on this level getting made are in fact the actors uh because the studio always want one of five people and the the the, the film that those actors choose are the ones that get into production well and well, with donal and margot uh, that they liked the script so much and joined us was the reason we got across the starting line that's great, because I've never seen Margot do anything like this part, actually. You, you almost don't recognize her in it. Yeah, I mean, she, she's been living in England, and she had her own relationship with Winnie the Pooh stories and her own mother, and um, she just loved the script, and uh, I, I was thrilled that she, she wanted to take it on. Well, you, you, you had your two adults first, I imagine. Yes. How difficult was it to find this amazing boy? But it's so funny because the studio is so obsessive about the, you know, the, the leading actors. They just assume we're going to find this kid. And <laughs> I didn't assume anything of the kind. Um, uh, the last nine-year-old boy I, who'd never acted before I'd cast was, in fact, Daniel Ratcliffe in uh, David Copperfield. Well, that uh, worked out. It worked out for him, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, we, we went on a trawl of kids uh, in the UK um, Anyone who was, he had to be nine because you can get more working hours out of a nine-year-old. Um, uh, but the amazing thing about Will, who is 
as extraordinary in real life as I think he is in the film, was that not only had he never been in a film before, he'd never acted before. And he um, had joined a drama club two days before the casting department wrote saying, do you have any boys who might play Christopher wow. Robin? He wasn't even their star pupil or whatever. How many boys did you see? It was definitely in the hundreds. And uh, wow. we kept recording them. But we did a clever thing that the top three boys um, all... Uh, we, we set up a big day at the, the, the location, the, Cro the Cotchford House location, with a little crew, with Donal, uh, and the top three boys. And we, we did two hours worth of scenes with each of them. Wow. Did they memorize them at yes, that point? Yes. Uh, and they, and they, we tried to do as varied a group of scenes as possible. Um, you know, a, a sad one and a happy one, playing cricket, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, actually, that turned out to be a really clever idea because, A, you could see who could jump from one mood to another. You could see who Donal warmed to. And then we had like a 10 minute cut film for each of the boys that we could wow. send to uh, Fox in LA and so on. And it just made the decision inevitable. Did Will stand out immediately? Could you tell or was it difficult choosing between them? Going into that last day, he wasn't my favorite. Yeah, that may seem strange now, but the other thing was that I'd asked each of them to tell a sad story. And the other two boys told us a silly story about something at school. And he, quite unexpectedly, told this incredibly emotional story about his grandfather passing away. Wow. And it was like, he got really upset. It was really upsetting. I was going to stop it. But it was clear because he's a very happy boy from a lovely family. But he was in touch with a sadness as well. So that was really uh, extraordinary to see. Because it's hard to imagine the movie without that boy. Uh, I completely I. agree. Yeah. And the working experience with him and the other actors... Did you rehearse much with him? Or what uh, was it, what was it get like? To do, to, I mean, you know, but it's like they always say, oh, you're going to get weeks of rehearsal. And they say, well, actually, Margot's got to go to Japan, you know. <laughs> so um, uh, we didn't have that much rehearsal. But um, Donal was particularly brilliant with, 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 with Will. And uh, uh, it was quite, you know, protective of him, but also would say, today I'm going to be the mean dad, you know, whatever. And um, sometimes during a take, he'd ask a question three times to get till he was happy with the answer wow. um, because sometimes when you go in as a director it's a you know it, it disrupts and all of that and I was actually my a lot of my job with Will because his instinct seemed so good so much of the time was to stop you know at, at a when you say cut you know as you'll know that, that, that everyone descends the makeup the costume and everyone's saying oh I really like that take and I didn't want all that because I didn't want to make him conscious of, of it. So that my job was to give as much sort of space as possible. Have you worked ever, have you, have you worked except with, uh, Daniel. With, yeah, with a child star, with, starring in a movie? Um, a couple before? of things I did at the BBC had very young leads, yeah. But mm -hmm. uh, this seemed, as you say, the, I mean, the emotional heft of the film is on that boy's shoulders in many ways. Well, did you ever find yourself with your two children and you're very busy, and you've always been working a lot in many things. Did you ever have an A.A. A. Milne moment where you felt, I must stay home for a while and catch up with my life? Um, well, I've been very lucky because when my kids were growing up, they're both uh, you know, university and beyond now, um, almost all the projects I did were London-based. So, um, I mean, that's the, the, the beauty of London, or has been pre-Brexit, which is that you know, the television, the film, and the theater industries are all in one city. Um, and uh, 
the BBC work I did was by and large London based. So I was quite lucky like that. So distributing a movie that's personal, that's wonderful, but and has a wonderful cast, but in a world of superheroes, how does a movie like this survive? Well, that's, the, that's obviously the question du jour, isn't it? I mean, it's, um, uh, and it's, it's very nerve-wracking as you go through the, 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 the process of getting to lock the film because everyone has a different idea of the journey it should take. Should it go to festivals? Shouldn't it? That festival wants it. That festival doesn't want it. Should we stay out of festivals altogether? Shall we go at a time where there are six or eight speciality films opening on the same day or wait till later in the year. I mean, there's all of that. And it's, um, you know, it's a, a real crapshoot. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm disappointed that the film has performed less well than certainly I hoped. But um, it is a very strange time we're in at Could the it moment. be time of year? Which would, Yeah, would, I mean, we had some things, we were restricted in some ways because Disney have a Christopher Robin film uh, coming out uh, next year, I believe. It's certainly in production. So... That I don't quite know the detail between Fox and Disney, but I don't think we were able to postpone to next year. Uh, so that restricted the the, the, the the timing. Do you know what I mean? But it's, um, it is, uh, you know, no one really prepares you. Everyone talks about when you're wanting to be a director, it's about you've learned how to work with actors and learn about lenses or whatever. But no one says one day the studio are going to show your film to a bunch of critics in private to, to tell you what your Rotten Tomato score is likely to be. <laughs> <You know? Whoa. laughs> that's the kind of thing that happens now. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. Do you know what your next film is going to be? I don't. I mean, I, I really hope uh, it's going to be something in the United States, and I, I, I'm, uh -huh. I'm inching towards a couple of them. But, wow. Um, you know, it's, uh, again, waiting for everything to line up together. Do you, do you prefer working here? Um, well, I love America. I'm married uh -huh. to an American. Um, I've been here along this this summer because my wife's actually uh, on a show at the Roundabout, in a show at the Roundabout. But she's brilliant in it. Um, and if you haven't seen the play, it's it's quite wonderful. Time in the Conways. Time in the Conways. Um, yeah. But um, so I've always loved American actors and American subjects. So um, uh, yeah, I, I really hope that works out. Do you think you'll have, you will find a movie that Elizabeth might be starring in? Um, uh, that's uh, With the, is that a goal? Um, no, um, <laughs> because uh, it's hard enough uh, directing without it being. You know, she, I think she always likes to go home and slag her director off, and uh, <laughs> that's hard if I'm the director. You you could be uh, you could yeah. be talking shop. Yeah, yeah. Twenty four hours yeah. a day. No, I think if it's the right thing, of course. But uh, I, I mean, that's not the only objective. Now, before we ask if anybody has any questions, I wanted to ask you a question, Simon. You began in theater, I, did. I think, mm -hmm. and uh, you worked with some fantastic directors. Uh, who I, I, I must have been very interesting. Were you very influenced by them in your directing? Yeah, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was obsessed by theater rather than film. Um, but uh, uh, then I was, uh, so I had to, so my 20s, I was very much in the theater. In my 30s, I was very much in television at the BBC. Mm -hmm. Um, and think it's been in Britain. We've been very lucky that the subsidised theatre and the BBC have been a training ground for directors, because possibly more than here, directors are allowed to learn on the job and and survive making mistakes. 
But um, you, you produced a lot of theater and film and, and television as well, yes? Um? Yeah, I have. And I mean, that's put me into contact with lots of actors. Um, but I think, I think I would have learned a lot from the actors I've worked with too. Do you, do you have any one or two either actors or other directors that you produced with and for uh, who influenced you that you could... Um, yeah, well, I mean I, 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 I mean, I would say, because I was an assistant director in the theater for a long time, that every rehearsal I went to, good, bad, or indifferent, was a learning experience. I mean, I was at the BBC. My job was to uh, bring theater shows and reinvent them as television events. And you know, I think I think uh, I gave Stephen Daldry and Steve and 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 Sam Mendes their first goes with television wow. cameras. And uh, so, as a director, I've been on other director sets probably more than most. And uh, you know, as I say, good, bad, or indifferent, you learn from everyone. Well, I think it's something people don't think about much, which is if you're an actor who becomes a yes. director, you've seen a lot of directors uh, yes. working. But if you're yeah. a director, and yeah. you've always been a director. It's, you often have literally never watched yes. anybody else yeah, do that's this. That's right. And you're sitting on the set thinking, does the crew think I'm doing this right or wrong? You know, it's, uh, that's exactly right. But I or feel different because I have been on a lot of other sets. Also, your background in theater, you've actually rehearsed, which yes. many movie directors, yes. A, hate rehearsal, and B, yeah. have never done it anyway. Yeah, so that's right. That's right. It's a kind of a whole different approach to actors, yeah. I think. Yeah. Does anybody have any questions? Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, the first thing to say is that is England. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and uh, they were very much parents in that class at that time. Uh, and the main source was Anne Thwaites' biography of A.A. Milne. Uh, uh, and she was very much around. But if you read Christopher's memoirs that he wrote later in life, you know, he, he does say things like, um, I only saw my mother for half an hour in the morning and half an hour at night. But during those two half hours, she was wonderful. Do you know what I mean? But I think it was quite natural uh, in England at that time for uh, a child to be born and handed over to a nanny, uh, and then we'll see you at the wedding or whatever. You know, and uh, you know, a lot of English men at that time, their 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 first and often their only great love was their nanny, which is sort of why England's the country it is. But you actually had a few different books. You, I don't know if you, if they were useful at all. But Milne wrote a book. Yeah, yes. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and yeah. and and also Christopher's book. Yeah, but the main source was this biography by by Anne Thwaites. The biography. Yeah. Was, yeah. But I think you said that Milne was very, not terribly personal and and didn't really and 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 avoided some of the more difficult topics in his book. I didn't. I don't think so. Did I make that up? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but sounds good. <laughs> but he might have. Yeah, he might have done. Yeah. Anybody else? And Alexa, yeah, yeah, and Ben Smithard um, is the DP. Who's, yeah, I'm glad you think that. I mean, I'm very grateful to Ben. I mean, I done he did my week with Marilyn, which we shot on film, and two or three of the things I did at the BBC, including Cranford. And his passion for this film was a joy to behold. And um, yeah, we were quite the film we looked at, Tree of Life, the Terence Malick film. He wanted that sort of dreamy thing. Um, but I think Ben did a brilliant job, and I credit him. I, you know, sometimes directors get the credit for that, but I totally credit him. Did you find yourself shooting anything differently because of the the youth of the of your star? Did you use multiple cameras with him? Ever? I always use two cameras um, uh, because I think you can get you get the things you plan, and you get the happy surprises as well. Mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, 
it, the, the tricky thing with a kid is he always has to leave the set, you know, because he only have so many hours. And in the case, I don't know if it's true here, but in England, he was always being dragged off to have a, a, a school lesson, you know, on the set. And at one point, when we were doing one of the most emotional scenes, they said, he's got to go, he has to go now, is the law. I said, what is this class he's going to do? And they said, drama. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's crazy, you know, but uh, that's the law. You said to me something outside. We were, we were t happened to be talking about Judy Dench, and uh, will you tell that story of Judy Dench yeah. coming to work? And, yeah, I mean uh, that we were in prep at Twickenham Studios, the place I love in West London, at the same time as Victoria and Abdul. And uh, you know, I've been very lucky to work with Judy Dench uh, several times. And so I said to, her, "Do you want to meet uh, Christopher Robin?" But she so loves kids, and um, but on the day. Um, they were due to meet uh, our first day, and I think the day she was doing um, camera tests, uh, he was unwell. I think it was he was sort of nervous, and so I wrote to her and said, "Sorry, um, he's nervous." And uh, she wrote back and said, "Well, I'm nervous too." And I just thought that was a real story of actors—a nine-year-old who'd never acted before, and you know, arguably the greatest actress of all time—were both equally nervous. You know, it's uh, it was sweet. Do you stay in touch with Christopher? Have you have you spoken with, to him since Will. the movie? Yeah, I mean, he came here with for the, uh, the yeah. op opening uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was so excited to come to New York because he wanted to see the steam coming out of the sidewalk. And um, and uh, he's a really lovely boy, and uh, I don't know if he'll act again or not, but uh, you know, I wish him well, whatever he does. Do you think he'll survive the the renown, the, the being recognized? Is that going to be hard? I think he hard? seems really balanced. Um, he's been taken on by a, a very good agent, uh, um, but uh, it's amazing uh, to think of Christopher his, Robin. His family an agent, are by yeah. no means a sort of pushy parent. No or, stage mother. No, definitely not. And uh, I suspect he'll be fine, whether he, whichever direction he goes in. I certainly hope so. He's a, he's a lovely, lovely boy. Everyone was in love with him, uh, you know, on our set, and he he just was a joy to. to Did work he have with. any hard days? Were there any days that were particularly? He hated difficult? being in the bath. Um, <laughs> uh, and B because. Uh, well, I don't think he wanted to be in front of drunks or whatever, you know. Um, but uh, and he got tired, quite understandably. Um, but no, I mean, he he talked. I mean, at the press we were doing together, he talked um, uh, very much with affection of the time, you know. And he only he only met half. He only missed half a turn because we shot a bit of the summer, so it wasn't like. You know, some of those kids, you know, in a TV show or wherever, it, it changes their life. He went right back to school, but he told the story about walking home from school for the first time with two of his friends, and the bus went by with his face on it and the poster, you know, and it's saying, he said, that was the greatest moment of my life, Simon. Yeah. So, so it's sweet, you know. So, But, you know, it's a risk, and obviously it's a film. One of the many themes of this film is the dangers of fame. And, you know, Christopher Robin, you could argue, that is one of the first ever child celebrities, and again, in defense of the Milne family, they couldn't have predicted this would happen. Uh, uh, and it was unprecedented. It was a voyage into the unknown. Um, but obviously, we were thinking about that. But um, uh, as I say, he's from a lovely family, and uh, uh, it, it bodes well at the moment. Does he have brothers and sisters? He's got an older sister who was an extra in one of the scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. And, yes? Um, well, it was... It was shot in four 11-day fortnights. I don't know if that's a phrase you use here, but it means 11-day fortnight is a six-day and a five-day. Six-day and a five-day. So that's 44 days. Um, and I think um, 
he uh, could work five hours, I think five hours maximum, but not every day. I, I'm not entirely sure what the rule was. Um, well, in Britain, you tend to start at eight and finish at seven. Doesn't seem it. But the good news is you don't roll. So you, you, Friday starts at eight. It doesn't start at 3 p.m. Yeah. Is there any difference in the in sh between shooting in the United States and, sh and shooting in England? Are, are there any? Well, I think that rolling out thing is, is 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 very different. You know, I mean, as I say, you st tend to, to to start every day at 8 a.m. Um, and uh, well, when you're night shooting, it would well then you go into a different schedule at nights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it isn't that thing of turn around and rolling. I'm not quite sure how. But it do works. you find difference, any inherent differences in crews between uh, um, the United States and England? No, I mean I've been very lucky. I've mean, done a few things here, and I've always loved the crews as much as I have in England. Um, uh, the craft services are dangerously good in this country. <laughs> um, and I find that a bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, um, you know, I just try and, I mean, I think my job as a director is to cast the best people on both sides of the camera and then support them to do the best, their best possible work, you know. And so I, I, I pride myself on supporting the people I work with. And, um, you know, uh, by and large, I've been very lucky uh, with, in that. Have you used the same editor for your no. features? Uh, no, I've used different editors in each one. I mean, I would have, uh, the, the, I would have had, my editor from Women in Gold on this if he'd been available, but um, mm -hmm. uh, but you know what it's like. I mean, sometimes it's a terrifying thing to work with a new person, and then you happily surprised. You know, um, uh, so um, are you very hands on in the editing room? Um, I love being there, but I love the collaboration, and I love going in and giving notes, and then disappearing, and then seeing what they've come up with. Do they so present on. you with a first? cut that you haven't seen, um, that you haven't worked on? What I like to do is go in as soon as I finish shooting and see the rough assembly and give a whole load of notes and saying, well, you know, then like that or try that and then disappear for a week or so and then come back and start fine cutting. Did the movie lose any big chunks of script? Yes, it did. Uh, that's a good question. And uh, there was much more World War One trench stuff and, in fact, a whole uh -huh. other character who went. Um, because we realized a little of it went a long way. Mm -hmm. And I was really proud, actually, that a couple of Vietnam vets came to the, the screening in New York and thought the PTSD of it was really accurate and wanted all their comrades to see it, too. And, and so at the, at the time in that period, so unknown. Completely, basically. completely. And also, in England, anything to do with mental health, there's no, <laughs> there's no dialogue for it whatsoever. And Still? Uh, much less now. Um, yeah. But... Uh, you know, I had n no idea that, A, that the, the reason Winnie the Pooh became so famous so quickly was that it was a way for readers to recapture the innocence of the, uh, the, 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 the lovely days before the trauma of World War I, or that Milne himself was, was suffering from PTSD. And I think so was Daphne in a way. She couldn't face repeating the agony of her husband going away with a, a, a son. And but the people who read the book in the beginning when it came out probably had no idea of what the author had been through. No, I no, know. but they were finding in the innocence of it, it was a way of recapturing England right. and, and innocence and childhood and so on. But I think, you know, this film in its quiet way does speak to the, 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 the horrors of war that 
it's not just the, the men and women who fight in the war who are impacted by it, but their spouses and, in fact, their descendants too. It goes on through the generations. And Christopher Robin, you know, his life was was altered by World War One, even though he was um, not born when it ended. Right. Somebody had a question. I, I don't know. I think Christopher, but 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 maybe is that is that is there any truth to that? Because it seems as though Christopher, on purpose, made the decision not to have his life affected by the money. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I don't actually know. But uh, a friend of mine, Roger Michel, who's a fellow director, told me a story that he went to the bookshop uh, with his parents when he was a boy and that Christopher happily signed his copy of Winnie the Pooh for him. Wow. Uh, so that made me feel he was at peace with it in some way. I don't know if you say this in the movie or not, I can't remember, but it seemed especially true to everything that you were doing in this movie that the real Christopher Robin maintained a, a closeness with his nanny for yeah. for the for the rest of her life, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I put that quote at the end, which is in one of his memoirs, but it said, oh. New was always a part of me, which spoke to their closeness. That's lovely. Yeah. And Kelly was fantastic. Yeah, she yeah, was she was. Yeah. Anybody have anything else? Well, I think it was, I mean, that is, you know, that's in all the memoirs that he just hated everywhere he went. People started chanting, you know, Winnie the Pooh. Rhymes at him, and that is well documented. That's tough. Yeah, it is. But he made a life for himself. Yeah, definitely. Just and the irony is that you know the whole thing about going to war as a way of becoming anonymous, and you know the irony of his father having to help him do that. It seems like such a very complex idea. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for coming. Here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. Don't forget, you can check out past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on the great discussions we have coming up. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by The Director's Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.